Catherine Pelliston had never beheld a naked man before. She'd never, in fact, observed a man in any state of undress, unless one counted the draped figures in Great Aunt Eustacia's collection of classical statuary. Those, however, had been carved stone, not at all like the large, all-too-animate male who was breathing alcoholic fumes into the stuffy room. Even Miss Pelliston's ramshackle papa, so careless of all else when in the latter stages of inebriation, remained properly, if not neatly, attired in her presence. The figure floundering near the door, on the other hand, had already torn off his coat and neckcloth and flung them to the floor. At the moment, he seemed to be trying to strangle himself with his shirt. Miss Palliston was possessed of an inquiring mind. This must explain why, despite the extreme gravity of her present situation and the natural modesty of a gently bred woman, she gaped in fascination at the broad, muscular shoulders and equally muscular chest now exposed to her view. Her analytical mind automatically began pondering several biological puzzles. Was it usual for the masculine chest to be covered with fine, light hair? If usual, what possible purpose could such growth serve? As she posed these questions to herself, the object of her analysis yanked his shirt over his head and tossed it into a corner. "'Gad, what a cursed business!' he muttered. "'Makes a man wish he was a red Indian!' A few hides to throw on and off, and none of these infernal buttons. Apparently in search of the buttons, he bent to peer owlishly at the waistband of his pantaloons, and overturned himself in the process. He fell face forward with a loud thud. Just take it! Not at all disconcerted, the stranger struggled clumsily to his feet again. He squinted into the flickering shadows of the room, his gaze flitting confusedly from one object to the next, before finally fixing on her. "'Ah, there you are,' he said, staggering with the effort to remain focused on one spot. "'Give a chap a hand, will you?' To bring her mind from abstract theory to disagreeable actuality required a moment. In that brief time the man succeeded in locating a trouser-flap button and commenced a mighty struggle with it. The implications of this contest were not lost upon the stunned Miss Pelliston, who promptly found her voice. "'Help you?' she repeated, at a somewhat higher than normal pitch. "'I should think not. In fact, I'm certain it would be best for all concerned if you did not proceed further with, with your present activity. I fear, sir, you are labouring under a gross misapprehension, and no doubt strong drink as well,' she finished primly. "'What the devil did you say?' To her relief, he stopped what he was doing to stare at her. Relief swiftly gave way to apprehension as she realised what he was gawking at. The dreadful old harridan who'd abducted her had taken Catherine's clothes, providing in their place one tawdry, nearly transparent saffron gown with a neckline that drooped below all bounds of propriety. Her cheeks vermilion, Catherine hastily jerked the dingy coverlet up to her chin. To her dismay, the great drunken creature burst into laughter. His laugh was deep and resonant, and in other circumstances Catherine might have appreciated its tonal qualities. In the present case, the sound made her blood run cold. His laughter seemed to fill the entire room. He seemed to fill the room. He was so large and overpowering, so male, and so very drunk. "'God help me,' she thought." Then she recollected that Providence helped those who helped themselves. 
Gathering the coverlet more tightly about her, as though it were the courage she felt fast ebbing away, she spoke. In your current state of intoxication, a great many matters are bound to strike you as inexpressibly amusing. Nonetheless, I assure you, sir, that your guffaws are hardly appropriate to the present situation. I am not a... a what I seem to be. I am here against my will. Many people have nervous habits, which grow more pronounced in times of agitation. Miss Pelliston tended to become preachy and pedantic when she was agitated. Her papa found this characteristic so unappealing that he had been known to toss the occasional bottle or mug in her direction. Since he was usually three parts disguised in these cases, he never struck her. He didn't particularly want to strike her. He only wanted her to go away. Catherine cringed, half expecting something to be thrown at her as soon as the words were out of her mouth. 